Hi everyone, welcome to Faith Community Church. We're so glad that you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn more about our church, you can check us out at woodstockfcc.com. That's woodstockfccfaithcommunitychurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Well, good morning. I am excited today because we're launching into a new sermon series, although maybe for those who have been with us for quite a while, it won't feel that new as this is going to mark, I think we're on our way to seven months now of talking and preaching about prayer. And we're going to launch into another series on prayer. We're going to enter into the series, I'm calling it The Emmaus Road, and we're going to journey down this path uh, with a couple and with Jesus, and we're, this journey is going to be our, our guiding passage as we seek to continue to learn about prayer and specifically about hearing God. But we're actually really not going to start the journey now. That's kind of a teaser. We're going to open the Emmaus Road passage next week. Today, instead, I want to take time to step back once again, although we've done this already. I, I think it's important enough that we do it once again to kind of lay back the groundwork and lay that groundwork and that foundation and really try to answer that question, why? I I want to set that framework for why is it important that we hear from God. But first, let's start by praying. And so, Heavenly Father, we again come to you, and we are so grateful that, that we can come to you, our Father, our good Father. Lord, we just pray that this service would, would be nothing but your will. All that is said, done, all the sounds that are made, and specifically even this message, Lord, we pray it will be honoring to you. And Lord, I pray now for me that if there are things that you want me to say that are not in my notes, you give me the courage to follow your leading as you speak to me. Help me to listen and obey to where you are taking us this morning. We give this service to you. We hold every part of it that we've planned with open hands so that you can do with it what you will. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, and that's how long it's been since I preached now, a couple of weeks, uh, I felt a little out of practice this week as I was prepping my sermon. I thought, do I still know how to do this? And we're going to find out, I guess, today. You can be the judge of that later. But uh, a few weeks ago now, uh, Pastor Mark, my father-in-law, was here. He was preaching, and he shared in his sermon, I think it was in the sermon anyways, uh, if not, it was in the Hearing God seminar that he was leading us through. He shared that the number one question that Christians have is this. Does anyone remember? It's how do I know or can I know the will of God? More than anything else, that is what Christians want to know. Those who are in the church, those who believe in God, they want to know how can I know God's will? How do I know his plan for my life or for whatever? How do I know? And Pastor Mark led us through and he looked at an answer to that question and I think we can find a really solid answer from Isaiah 30, 21. And he, he talked about this in his sermon with technology. You can go back and listen. If I don't do a good enough job here, you can go back and listen to him on our YouTube channel. But Isaiah 30, 21 starts to give us an answer. It says, your own ears, your ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the left or to the right. Do you want to be directed by God? Do you want your life to be in line with his plans? Do you want to know his will? This tells us that you need to hear him. 
because he is speaking to you as if he is right behind you. He is speaking and he is directing you, telling you which way to go, whether to the left or the right. The real question then is not, how do I know God's will? It is, am I listening so that I can hear what God is saying? Uh, Mark Batterson, he, he wrote a book called Whisper, uh, I guess it's about a month ago, we, we looked at it in our life groups, and we talked about it on Sunday mornings, and he talks about it in his book, he says, uh, we, we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of problems, we all do, maybe you don't have hundreds and hundreds, but maybe one or two, right, am I the only one with one or two problems out there, no, just me, I'm alone, okay, that's really depressing, someone put their hand up, make me feel better, say, I have a problem or two, Thank you. And we certainly all have problems, right? We have relationship problems. Maybe we have character flaws, whatever it is. But in his book, Mark Batterson, he suggests, uh, then I think rightly, he suggests that the root of so many of the problems in our life comes from one major problem. We might have 10 or 20 or 1,000 problems, but so many of them come down to one root problem, and it's a hearing problem. We don't hear God speak, and as a result, we have many, many issues in our lives. Uh, I'm really just trying to set the stage. I know some of this we've talked about before. Uh, I want to set the stage so that you understand that hearing God's not just a good idea, okay? I want to make sure that's clear. I want to make sure it's clear that hearing God is not for a select elite few, those people we deem super Christians out there. I want to make sure you understand that you can't really fully love God or fully know his will for your life unless... You hear him. There's a really uh, famous prayer in the Old Testament. Uh, it's called the Shema. I've talked about this at length in different sermons. And a few weeks ago, we talked about it in a newsletter again. Uh, you might not recognize it by the name Shema, but you'll certainly recognize it by the words, I think. And this is a prayer that Jewish people pray every morning when they get up and every evening when they lay down to sleep. You can find it in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 5. Let me read it. The Shema says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. When Jesus was pressed to condense all of the commandments and not just the 10, but the 613 different ones we can find into what is the most important, pick one thing, Jesus, what is it? This is what he said, love the Lord your God with all that you are. And that's such a great reminder. And I, I love that Jewish practice of praying it when you get up and when you go to sleep. Isn't that a great thing? Can you imagine? Can you imagine waking up every morning and saying, God, today I am going to love you with all that I am. No holding back every part of me, my heart, my soul, my strength, my mind, all of it today. Anything I have in me, I am giving to you. What a great way to start your day. And then I love how they end their day, right? When you lay down to rest, they say, God, I pray that I have given you everything today. And then, then you can go into confession. Reveal to me, Lord, are there ways that I'm still holding back? Confess them. I confess those to you now. Thank you, God, for never holding back from me, but giving all that you are. That's a great prayer, isn't it? I love that. I love the Shema. But key to understanding this prayer is looking at how it begins. And it begins with this exhortation to Shema. That's the Hebrew word. It means to hear. It means to listen. It means to obey. Let me say that another way. There is a prerequisite to loving God with all that you are. There's a prerequisite to loving God with all that you are. You first need to hear. 
Now why? Okay, that sounds good, right? I hope it sounds good. And you're probably out there thinking, man, that's good preaching. You're shaking your head. You're like, yeah, but why? Think about it. Have you really considered that question? Why can't I love God with everything I have unless I hear him? I think the answer is this. Without hearing, there's no relationship. Without hearing, there is no relationship. Without relationship, at best, all we can get to is admiration. And here's the not-so-well-kept secret all through Scripture. God is not after your admiration. He wants you. All of you. He is not after your admiration. He wants a real deep and meaningful relationship with you. And for that, you, not, you have to not only know about God, but you have to know him. And knowing comes from what? From talking to him and listening to him. Uh, last weekend, um, most of you know this, I, I was ordained after 10 years of hard work, so I'm grateful for that. And I know some of you tuned in and some of you were there watching the service, and if you did, you would have uh, met our, 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 not district, our general superintendent, Dr. David Busick, and he shared a great message. And uh, as I was listening, I, I was flabbergasted at how much uh, he was putting to words some of the stuff I was trying to work out as I was preparing for this series. And so some of what's coming is going to sound very familiar. Uh, we would call that a coincidence, by the way, if we didn't know any better. And in his message then on Friday evening, he talked about uh, one of the most, if not the most, well-known verses that we often quote when we are talking about knowing God's will, right? Going back to that most basic question we have, how do I know God's will? This is one of the most quoted verses I'll read it for you. In fact, I'll read it in the King James because I think that'll sound the most familiar. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy past. Do you see how this is pointing right back to the Shema, what we just talked about? Trust in the Lord with what? Does anyone know? With some? No, with all of your heart. Not just part of you. There can't be holding back, but you have to trust with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength with every fiber of your being. And you need to lean on your understanding because you don't know it all. And in all your ways, you have to acknowledge him. And then he will direct your path. Do you hear what that's saying? It's saying, if you want to know God's will, back to that most asked question, if you want to know God's will, if you want God to direct your path, then you have to what? You have to trust with all that you are, Lean not on your understanding, and in all your ways, with every part of you, acknowledge him. And this is where I'm going to steal directly from Dr. Busick, because he put the words what I was thinking about. Uh, the, there are different words used in different translations where we have the word there, acknowledge, in the King James. If you look in other translations, some say, in all of your ways, with all of you, submit to him. In all of your ways, with all of you, some, some other ones say, recognize him. And all of these are just different translations of the same Hebrew word, which is yada. And this Hebrew word yada at its core means to know. So we can understand it. In all of your ways, know him. Not know about. We're good at knowing about. But to know, to intimately though. It's not head knowledge. This is experiential, personal, and intimate knowledge. There's a book that came out uh, a number of years ago now, um, by Kyle Eidelman. It's called Not a Fan. Some of you may have heard of it or read it. If you haven't, it's well worth going and finding and reading. Uh, it holds up. And in, in this book, he, he talks about, Kyle Eidelman talks about how you can know all about someone 
but not actually know them, right? And we, we can easily talk about this when we think of celebrities, right? Uh, the current world, we know all about all the celebrities. Think about sports. Sports are, are big right now. We, we know all about the sports people, right? We know all the people's names and their stats. Have anyone else amazed at how much information sports fans can keep in their head? That always baffles me. I, 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 at one point, I was a little better at it, but I'm kind of outside of the game now. I don't follow any sports that closely, but People who are really into sports, they know the stats, right? Like down to little three decimal points later, they know the stats, they know the details, they know hundreds of names across 30, 40 teams of different sports. I don't know how they keep it all in there, but they do. I'm amazed by it. But here, here's the point. You, you can know these people. You can know intimate details of their life down to the small little tiny facts about their life. But the question is, do you really know them? And the answer is no. Do you yada them? No. So in the book then, Idleman, he talks about how there's an epidemic in the church, and I think it's true even now, where we know a lot about God. We know details about him from the Bible, from preaching, from teaching, but very few people actually yada him. So here's the question we need to consider, and this is an important one. Do you know God? Or do you know about God? Do you know God or do you know about God? This is important to consider. And the point of it all, again, pointing back to Proverbs 3 here, is if you want to know God's will, back to that most basic question, the question we have, the number one question asked by Christians, how do I know God's will? Proverbs 3 tells us if you want to know God's will, you have to yada him. You have to know him. That's what it says. In all your ways, yada him. Know him intimately, experientially. Information in your head is not enough. In all your ways, know him and he will direct your path. He will show you which way to go. He will whisper right behind you and tell you which way to go, whether to the right or to the left. And so in that sermon on Friday night, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> Dr. Busick said it this way. You will never really know God's will until you really know God. You will never really know God's will until you really know God. This Proverbs passage is not saying, trust God and hopefully you'll figure it out and you'll figure out his will. And it says, no, if you want to know God's will, you have to yada him. You have to know him. With all that you are, you have to know him. And you know him how? By talking to him and by listening. We have a term for that, by the way, in the church where you talk to God and listen. We call it prayer. Prayer is not talking to God and walking away. That's half of it. The other half is sitting long enough and stilling yourself to listen. Prayer, we talked about this uh, when I last preached, is what connects your heart to God's heart. Prayer is how you yada God. As you talk to him and listen to him speak, your heart is going to connect to his heart, and you're going to be transformed. <clears throat> it says, in all your ways, know God, and he will show you what to do. What does that look like now? Let's talk about that. What does knowing look like? <clears throat> I want to read for you from perhaps an unfamiliar passage. I want to read from Songs of Songs, chapter 5, verses 9 to 16. It starts by friends asking the woman questions. How is your beloved better than others, most beautiful woman? How is your beloved better than others that you so charge us? And here's the woman's response. 
My beloved is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. His head is purest gold. His hair is wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the water streams, washed in milk, mounted like jewels. His cheeks are like beds of spice, yielding perfume. His lips are like lilies dripping with myrrh. His arms are rods of gold set with topaz. His body is like polished ivory decorated with lapis lazuli. His legs are pillars of marble set on bases of pure gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as it's cedared. His mouth is sweetness itself. He is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friends, daughters of Jerusalem. Don't try to ever draw a picture of that, okay? It doesn't turn out how you think it will. It's a pretty strange picture, uh, but it's a beautiful passage uh, that explains the love between these two. Uh, and I, I was considering this week when you, you read through Scripture... Uh, you find a number of different ways that our relationship with God is described, but perhaps the two most intimate ways, the ways that are help us, maybe will help us best understand how to yada God the best, perhaps the two most intimate ways are these. Ready? First, our relationship with God is described as a child-parent relationship. That hits different now that I'm a parent. Maybe that's important to talk about on Father's Day. We are taught to call him what? Father. We, we are taught that we are gifted the title and the position and all that it comes with it as children of God. The first intimate way the Bible describes our relationship is child-parent. The second is this, and that is of marriage, of husband and wife. And, and both types of those relationships really can help us understand what it means to yada God. Now, I'll show you that as we talk through the rest of this passage. So, in that passage from Song of the Songs, the woman's asked by her friends, why is your beloved better than the others? And I love her response. I love it. She says, my beloved is radiant. He stands out even in crowds of thousands. He smells good. He looks good. In a forest of many trees, he is the choice tree. His words are sweet. He is altogether lovely. He's not just my beloved. He's my best friend. And that is why he is better than others. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. I, I, I love that. And I love what we can learn from this passage here. She says she knows her beloved so well that even in a crowd of thousands, she could pick him out. She knows her beloved so well that she knows every detail down to him, down to the little tiniest facts, details about his appearance, about how he speaks, the words, even the sound of his voice. And really what we can understand is that she yada him. She knows him. Since I, I, I've become a parent now, I, I've learned that my parental instincts are specifically wired to my kids. I'm not saying I don't care about other kids. That's not what I'm saying here. But it's different. And maybe you know what I mean. It's different. And so here's what I mean. If I'm out in public and I hear a baby crying there's a good chance I won't even hear it. And maybe that says more about me as a dad than a parent. I don't know. Maybe that's a dad thing that we can block out crying. Uh, but if I'm out in public and I hear a baby crying, I, I don't even really notice. It doesn't register. But if my kid cries, if Lewis or Violet cries, I know. I know the sound of their cry. I know it's them. I know it's them. I am specifically wired to my children. And more than just understanding or hearing their cries, I can actually interpret their cries because I know them so well. I know if this is a I'm sad that I'm awake cry. I know if this is I'm a hurt cry. I know if this is I'm an angry and frustrated cry. I can, uh, I can interpret their cries. And it's because I yada my kids. I know them. I know them experientially. I know them intimately. You you put my kids in a group of thousands of other kids, I guarantee you I could pick them out with ease. I yada them. 
Likewise, uh, my wife Bethany, I know her. I yada her. Bethany uh, is downstairs, so I can tell this story. That's the best part, right? And then that's a bad way to start a story about your wife. And maybe I should put some caveats here. Let me say I respect my wife a lot. I do treat her with love and dignity, and anything that starts with caveats like this is going to be good, right? Okay, and this is the last one, and this is important. I know that she is not a dog, okay? Stick with me. I'm not sure how this started, but it's gone on for a number of years now. Uh, if I am trying to get Bethany's attention, especially if she is lost in her own world, which she is gifted at, or if we're out in public and we're out of earshot of one another, or, or she's downstairs, I'm upstairs, I don't yell for her. I whistle. <laughs> it's okay. She's not mad about it. She's okay with it. I know she's not a dog. I love her. I treat her with respect and dignity. But I have a specific whistle that I do when I'm trying to get Bethany's attention. If I'm trying to find her in a store, or if I'm just trying to get her attention to call her out of her own world, and if I say, Bethany, and it doesn't work, if I do this whistle... She knows I'm trying to find her or get her attention, that I'm looking for her. And here's the thing. She can pick that whistle out, out of anywhere. Noisy, crowdy room, I do it. She knows that I'm looking for her. If she's stuck in her own little world and I do it, she was I'm not going to do it now. I'm not going to do it now. I don't want to get in trouble here. Bethany can pick my whistle through the, uh, the noise of a crowded room. And why? Of course, it's because she yadas me and I yada her. I might get in trouble when she goes back and watches the service later. If you want an answer to that question that we began with, that most asked question, how can I know God's will? The answer, of course, is what we've been talking about. You have to know. You have to yada God. And how do you yada God? You know through listening. And this is why we're going back, okay? I know we, we've done, we did 13 weeks on prayer and then some more than we did uh, I can't remember even now. We did two different ones on hearing God and, and then another one through the half million mobilization and now we're here seven months later and we're still going through prayer. And I know some of you are saying, move on, go to something different, but I have made that commitment to you that we're not going to move until we become a people of and a church of prayer because prayer needs to be the foundation for all that we do in our lives and in the life of the church. Otherwise, all that we do is in vain. It's in our own strength and our own wisdom and that's not going to get us where we need to go. Because we want to know God's will. And how do we know God's will? We have to yada him. And we have to listen. This is why we're going back to yet another series in hearing God. In John chapter 10, Jesus, he talks about uh, this very thing. He uses a metaphor of a shepherd and sheep. And he says this in verse 4. It says, he, that's the shepherd, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. The sheep follow because they know, they recognize, they can pick the shepherd's voice out. They yada the shepherd. In fact, if you read that whole passage in John 10, 10, it says, the sheep won't follow the stranger. In fact, they'll ignore and run away from him because they don't yada him. But they'll follow the shepherd because they do. They know him. So here's what happens then. As you go deeper into your relationship with God, as you know him, as you go to him in prayer, speaking to him and listening to him, your heart will connect to God's heart. Why? Because that is what prayer is. Your heart connecting to God's heart. And that is what prayer does. It connects your heart to God's heart. And as your heart connects to God's, your heart is going to be transformed. And this transformation of your heart is what is part of this process of holiness and sanctification. We call it this journey of becoming more like Jesus. 
all through Scripture. You can find many different ways of saying it. We're told to be imitators of God. We are told to be holy because God is holy. We are told to live and love like Jesus. The very title we bear, Christian, means little Christ. Uh, we are supposed to reflect Jesus out of our lives. And let me ask that question then. This is, a, again, a pointed question. Does your life reflect Jesus? You know, there are some mornings I get up, I look in the mirror, and I feel pretty good about my life. Maybe it's after a good night of sleep, which are rare these days, and I get up and I'm feeling pretty good. But if I'm really honest with you, there are plenty of mornings I get up and I look in that mirror and I'm struck by the realization that there are still things in my life that fail to reflect Jesus. Does your life reflect the life of Jesus? My great-grandparents, before they passed, were married 75 years. I'm going to say that again in case you missed it. They didn't know each other for 75 years. They didn't meet and, and have friendship for 75 years. They were married for 75 years before they passed. And one thing I always remember about them is they had a very similar smile. And I learned a number of years ago now that this wasn't just my imagination or my memory, but there's actual research and studies that have verified and backed this up. And what they found about this phenomenon is uh, when you empathize with someone, what you do is you actually start to mimic their facial expressions. When you empathize with someone, you mimic their facial expressions. That's your, your, your mind and your body's way of showing empathy. And so if you do this over time, say 75 years of marriage... <laughs> Over time, your facial expressions will become similar. And the result for my great-grandparents, well, they had a similar smile. Isn't that incredible? I love that. I love that I, I had this memory and research actually backed it up. Over the next few weeks, we're going to join a couple and Jesus on this Emmaus Road journey. And we're going to learn with them from Jesus as we walk along how we can hear God. And the goal, the aim, is that you, uh, that this will lead you into a deeper relationship with God. The, the goal, the aim, is that this will help you not just know about God, but move you into something more experiential, and that you would yada him. And as you yada him, my prayer is this, that your life would be transformed, and ultimately, that you would come to know Jesus so well that you would have a similar smile. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your love and for your fatherly example. Lord, we just pray that you speak to us. We pray, Lord, that we would slow down enough to listen, that we would shema, that we would not only hear you speak, that we would do, we would live out in obedience. Lord, as we seek to grow closer to you, as we seek to draw near to you, not just learn more about you, not just amass more information or knowledge, but to experience you in our lives. We pray that you would speak, and would you speak so clearly now as we take time to listen, so that when we leave, we know we haven't heard uh, some new information that we can tuck away in our brains, but we leave knowing that you have connected with us, that our hearts have connected with your heart, that we have heard from you. And so, Lord, then we pray for this time. We pray for this moment of listening. We pray, Holy Spirit, then, that you would be speaking into our lives and that you would silence anything that's not of you, even our own voices, our inner voices this morning, Lord. We pray that you would keep them quiet so that in this moment we would hear from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So something we do here at the end of every service at Faith Community, we call it Take Two. 
which is we're going to give you two minutes to ask God these two questions. This is not just a time of reflection, okay? Maybe in part it is, but that's not the point of it. It's not just a time for you to say, that was a great service. What can I take away from it? It's much more important than that. It's a time for you to actually ask God questions and then listen, because we believe God speaks, and we believe what he says is worth hearing. And so we give you opportunity each week to do this. And the first question we want you to ask is, ask God, what is one thing you want me to walk away with this morning? What is one thing you want me to know? If I leave here, if there's only one thing you want me to know, what is it? But it's so crucial. We don't stop there. We always go to the second question, which says, okay, God, now that you've told me that one thing, now that you've spoken and I've heard you, what do you want me to do about it? What step of obedience are you asking me to take? How are you asking me to put this into action? So we're going to put the timer up. We'll give you two minutes to ask God those two questions. Then I'll come back and I'll close our service. We'll start the timer for you right about now. Thank you so much for joining us in church today. Why don't you stand as I read the benediction for you this morning? As you go into the week, I pray this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. I pray you go with that peace. Thanks for joining us this morning. You're dismissed.